1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
2: Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at NorthMemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. I think the first thing Kirk Cousins would say, yeah, it's really nice having Dalvin Cook behind me, and that's a huge difference. I also think the Adam Thielen thing with the apology whatnot was a really important moment, not only in the season in his career. And I remember when it happened, Peter, you said something. You said, you got to be who you are. You can't fake it. You can't be a fake tough guy. You can't be nice if you're not nice. We see a lot of quarterbacks who are not nice, and they don't try to be. I think Kirk Cousins is the guy who watches the film, apologizes to his receiver, and then he puts the antlers and the red nose on his minivan. I think that is him, and I think it's serving him well, and I think the Vikings are going to the playoffs with Kirk Cousins this year. I really do. Yes. I, think they're going. I think them and the Packers are going to go. It's the middle of the season. I've seen enough. I love them. All
3: right, can we start with that, I guess? Like, wait. I think the Vikings are going to the playoffs. Well, they're 6-2, so it's not exactly like a huge pronouncement. If you
4: say you don't think they're going to the playoffs at 6-2, and two, that's a hotter take.
3: That would be bold. Um, but the other part of that was still talking about Kirk Cousins apologizing to Adam Thielen. Can we just stop? Can we just stop? Like Even after the Thursday night game, um, Cousins is on the set with Joe Thomas and with Steve Smith and they're at the NFL Network, and they asked him about apologizing to Adam Thielen for overthrowing him in Chicago, and he was like, guys, we have to stop with that. Please stop bringing that up. All I was saying was, after I overthrow a receiver, I say, my bad. And it may have felt a little bit contrived, I guess, going on his own radio show and saying, Like, sorry, Adam. I've got Adam right here to apologize for that bad throw of mine. And it was a different atmosphere than it is now because they were two and two. But could we just let that go? I mean, it was meaningless.
4: Now that it's a halfway point of the season and you can separate this into eight and eight, like eight games before, eight games after the midway marker, maybe we will be able to forget about it now. But I think just because they're in this win streak. And you can point back to a time where things weren't good, and then the switch was flipped. It just to kind of in theory. I mean, obviously, it's a lot more than that. Play calling. It's a change in identity, essentially, offensively. Um, But there, it's just it's kind of an easy narrative for people to point back and say, "Hey." What changed? You called Adam. Called you out. Diggs is threatening to, you know, not show up ever again. Right. Things like that, and people can say, okay, that was the turning point. It's an easy turning point, even though the players themselves have said they don't believe that Chicago game was a turning point. I believe Kirk said that last week, um, or the week before that. And whether it's, tr- I mean, in theory, it kind of is a turning point, but I don't know if that's going to be the moment that defined their season by Kirk apologizing on his podcast. Um, it is kind of lazy at this point that we keep bringing it up. But hey, if they keep winning, I think people are going to want to find okay, well, what was the catalyst for that winning? apologizing to your receiver was certainly not the catalyst of that. It wasn't no. like, oh, man, I just started making great throws now.
3: I think it was one receiver demanding they throw the ball more and then them throwing the ball more, yeah. and, and that combined with playing four very bad teams. And where I have come to is the point to say, when you play bad teams in the NFL now, if you're a good team, you're going to win. I mean, th- there, there aren't many... Teams that are bad who aren't abominable. There aren't many like middling bad teams. No. What maybe Tampa Bay, may, maybe uh, we uh, would say Bengals, maybe we'd say Cleveland. But I mean, even well, the Bengals are benching their quarterback, yeah. Miami's trading away everything that isn't locked down. Atlanta's a joke, like all are kind of middling, yes, yes. The Steelers, middling, middling, the middling, middling I think. middling, okay. yeah. So there's like three teams, the Lions, maybe four, that are middling bad teams who could threaten you on a given day, but probably not. And the Raiders would probably fall into that category. But usually when you play these horrendous teams, you just run them out of the building. And that's what the Vikings did over the last four games. Mm -hmm. I don't think it had a whole lot to do with the apology. But if you're going to go back to when things were epically dramatic, you have to mention Thielen talking about how frustrated they were and then saying he didn't say it, or the media brought, uh, made that up, and then digs missing practice. Like Those are the things to point to, not the Kirk apology. But anyway, um, they're not going to go back on that after they all made such a huge deal out of it on NFL Network and ESPN and that. Anyway, so um, Courtney Cronin, Matthew Collar here, and mm. what we were planning to talk about before I heard the soundbite, my head imploded, <laughs> uh, was the trade deadline is in 54 minutes and 9, 8, seven seconds and uh i don't think the minnesota vikings are doing anything do you
4: no and this has been kind of their trend they don't really they're not really active at the trade deadline at least in recent years since rick spielman has been the general manager um they don't really typically make a splash and yes they could have this year and Am I surprised they didn't? No. Because they're in a win now mode. And I think that all the pieces that they have right now are pieces that they have calculated this is going to get us to the playoffs, past the NFC championship, to a Super Bowl, the core that they have right now. So unless it was an offer that was going to blow you away multiple high picks, uh potentially a player back getting a player back, uh, like when Jalen Ramsey was on the table two weeks ago and then ended up going to the Rams, like Unless it was something that was otherworldly, they weren't going to be interested in it. And, and I mean, the name that comes to mind for me, when you think about it, now that the deadline is you know soon approaching, we don't think anything's going to happen in the next hour. What does it mean for free agency in 2020? What does that mean for guys who they want to extend? When does that happen? What about guys are going to let walk because they can't afford to? Uh, keep them, and that to me brings up a handful of names. Starting in the secondary with Trey Wayne's and Mackenzie Alexander, both of whom are free agents uh, come next season.
3: Okay, let let's start there and let's assess where we're going to go with some of these players and what we know after eight weeks, because this could be a very different looking roster next year. And I know that we thought that when they signed Kirk Cousins that a lot of players would leave, and they, including. You know, the cap genius Rob Brzezinski found ways to re sign most of their players and keep them around. But now it's not just about do you have the cap space and can you make it with contract structures? It's do you actually want these players yeah. to stick around? And well, let's go through the list here because you mentioned Wayans and Mackenzie Alexander. Are we just going to say Xavier Rhodes after this year is not on this team?
4: Well, unless he takes a massive pay cut because. His cap hit for next season. Let me find it. Um,
3: it's twelve point nine. Twelve point nine,
4: and year. and that's that's high. Like and it and he's under contract for two more years beyond this season. His contract goes through twenty or three technically beyond twenty twenty two. He's not on the roster at twenty twenty two. Don't you cannot convince me otherwise of that. But I think that they go to Wayne. They go to Rhodes and they say, hey. We're going to have to restructure you or we're going to end up cutting you because they can save money against the cap if they designate him post June 1. And I know there's something weird here with the CBA and kind of how that would all work. But if it is for, for what today, what we know right now, if they designate him post June 1, it's ten point nine million dollar savings. If they cut him outright, um, tomorrow, the next day, anything like that in February, it's a six point one million dollar cap savings, but you also also incur about seven point two against in dead money against the cap, which that's not the end all be all. It doesn't count against the cap. It's something that you know they they're constantly paying guys out still that were on the roster at one point, including it's,
3: LaQuan Treadwell.
4: It's, it's kind of weird, um, but. I think this secondary is the area you start when you say how different are the Vikings going to look in 2020 and beyond. Um, That's the one area that draws at least my attention right away because you're two starting corners, one of which is on the downcline. I know Mike Zimmer has fought and kind of come to Xavier Rhodes' defense. Um for reasons I just don't really understand because he keeps getting penalized, he's not playing the same way that he did in 2017. This is an ongoing trend. I know he's frustrated. He's voiced those co- he's made comments about it. I don't understand why we're trying to like shine something here that is just dull and rusting away. Um but so you have Rhodes kind of on the decline and you have Trey Wayne's where he's at right now and he's going to command a really really pretty penny. Um, so I don't know if they're going to be able to keep him, and it makes you wonder when you look at kind of your three starters back there. Let's say let's throw McKenzie in there, even though he's nickel, he's they're in nickel a lot. Is it more valuable to 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 your overall scheme, given you have Holton Hill and Mike Hughes in the wings waiting to keep McKenzie Alexander cheaper, like somebody who you know we know that position takes a lot to be able to learn it to be mm-hmm. able to play it effectively. Is it worth it to invest in him? long-term, give him his next deal because he was a second-round pick, so it won't be nearly what the price of an outside corner and Trey Waynes would be.
3: So you said something interesting about Rhodes that I want to just respond to, Mm -hmm. and then that part of it. With Zimmer, I think because he was so harsh at the owners' meetings on Xavier Rhodes saying he better earn his contract, that he knows that Rhodes was upset by that. And we have the proof in the likes Mm. on Twitter from Xavier Rhodes, which I don't know if those are still there, but we all saw them of him liking tweet responses that talked about, you know, Xavier Rose needs to go somewhere else. How dare Mike Zimmer criticize him like that? And, you know, I, you're looking into it in a very millennial style, but no one would be happy with being criticized by your coach so openly. And I think he's tried to go back the other way and say, no, 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 that, I, didn't that. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. I meant you're great. I meant you're still great because it doesn't really benefit him at all. Just like with Anthony Barr years ago with the tendency to coast thing, Where it's like, this really doesn't benefit you at all to just hammer Anthony Barr. And you're just going to make him upset. He was also playing through an injury that year. And I I think that that's been the approach to Rhodes is I'm just going to go out there and defend him. Almost like with Kirk. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to defend him no matter what happens. But his snap counts have gone down. And not just because of the concussion protocol, but in Detroit as well. He was out of that game uh, more than he usually Mm -hmm. is. And he isn't shadowing anymore, which yeah. I think tells you that it, to me is the, the, the actions most, tell you more than the words.
4: And, and that's the thing. And Mike Zimmer says, starting back week five after the Giants game, when he wasn't shadowing, and you could kind of tell, like, okay, is there something wrong here? It's like, oh no no, yeah, you know, every week's game plan calls for something different. Okay, but this is the NFL. Every team uses a number one corner to shadow a number one receiver. The fact that you are every not, team that has one, yeah, yes, the fact that you have your your number one corner which, you know, it's up for debate whether it's Rhodes or not. I don't believe it is. Um, You're kind of taking that responsibility away from him because your actions are showing, hey, he's a liability in this type of coverage. Um, And it's not necessarily saying about his athleticism or anything physically, you know, pointing to a decline in play. It's the penalties that are a liability. And I know Mike Zimmer said when I asked him the other night, like, how do you expect Xavier to play then? He's like, well, he has to play like a power forward. He's bigger than these guys. He's not Mike Hughes. He's not McKenzie. Um, he's not, I guess, he's not really as like much of a finesse corner and can kind of, you know, go up and battle with guys the way that they do. He has to use more physicality in his body to do that as a power forward. That's what Mike Zimmer kept using the basketball analogy of. I, I don't know. I kind of took it to be like, he's got to get boards. He's got to be. If you're using the basketball analogy here, you've got to play clean on the boards. You have to be aggressive down in the low post. You have to be able to body guys around there. Can't fall out. But you can't fall out. Like, that's the problem here. Like, Xavier's getting a penalty per game, a DPI penalty most times per game. He's got seven and eight games now. Um, and that's a problem. I mean, he's averaging. Like just the like the the penalties that he's accruing this year, he's going to well surpass where he yep. was last year. He had nine penalties total, second you know, in the NFL in this in two thousand eight in two thousand eighteen, and now he's on pace to nearly double that.
3: Right, and his coverage has not been any good either. No. I mean, so th- so this is where Zimmer's words don't match up with the facts. Is that. Um, according to Pro Football Focus, opposing quarterbacks are completing 85% yes. of their passes when throwing towards Xavier Rhodes and 124.7 quarterback rating. So he hasn't he hasn't been even remotely good. And I think that he would have to go a super long way in the second half. Like he would have had to have the best weekend of recovery that anyone has ever had over this last week and come back and play like a shutdown corner for the rest of the year to even be here next year. And then, like you said, he doesn't have any leverage either. So they could just no, cut him if they, they want. They gave
4: him all the like they do in every deal. They gave him his guaranteed money up front the yep. first two years. So at this point, it's all it's their hand versus his, and they're in a really good situation to say, "Hey, even if they want to, even keep him around." I mean, it's going to be hilarious at the end of the day if they end up cutting him outright uh, without trying to work out a restructure, and be like, "Okay, well, well, what was the point of saying all that stuff and just trying to save face during the 2019 season?"
3: Right, right. Um, And that's a good question because we're at the trade deadline, and if someone overvalued Xavier Rhodes, you could bring back in Holton Hill, play Mike Hughes there, and probably get better production. Uh, That would be the one thing we'd be questioning if this goes sideways with Xavier Rhodes, is why were you so loyal to him? Why didn't you move him last offseason when this was predictable? Why didn't you move him at the trade deadline when you had... Holton Hill coming back, and you knew that was happening, and Hill has shown a lot of potential. He's much younger. He's got that same uh, size advantage, and when he was actually out there last year, he was very good. Um, Let me circle back to the other two, to Wayans and Mackenzie Alexander. Do we think that Trey Wayans is a good cornerback? I was looking at
4: his numbers this morning. I think he is middle of the pack right now. Like, this was, he's playing in a contract year. This was supposed to be the year that he exploded and showed, Hey, you guys are never going to be able to afford me in the first place. Um, I'm out of here at the end of 2019. That really hasn't played out. I mean, I think back to several plays in that Detroit game where Marvin Jones was just eating uh, on yeah, Xavier He had a feasting, worse day than Xavier Rhodes. On Xavier did by Rhodes, quite a bit, on actually. Mike Hughes and on Trey Waynes, the missed tackle. I mean, there were several blatant missed tackles in this past game against Washington. Um, Waynes has always been really good at at stopping the run. I mean, I think that that's always kind of been his bread and butter. But some of his coverage grades have been a little suspect. So I don't really anticipate, like when we talk about, well, what is he worth? Can the Vikings afford him? I think teams are always going to be cornerback needy, right? Like as we saw kind of throughout the trade deadline, that was the position that, you know, more by and large, that was the position that was kind of the hot one this year. There's always teams that need cornerbacks. Philadelphia is one of them. apparently, the Rams are one of them um just with the moves that they've made you know to and from their team um so I think that there's always going to be a market for somebody like that, whether you're you know an elite corner like Jalen Ramsey or you're a middle of the pack guy like a trey Wayne's but to say that he's blown anybody away to think, oh my gosh, he is gone because he's going to make he's going to reset the cornerback market in 2020 is that's just not true.
3: So he ranks right now just in coverage, not his it's overall like one, grade. T- isn't it like it's? Uh, well, he ranks 60th yeah. out of 81 yeah. corners who play regularly, mm-hmm. and his quarterback rating against is 98.4. So. I mean, teams are having a good time throwing at Trey Waynes, too, which is really, I think, says something about Mike Zimmer and his defense and their pressure and also their linebackers and how well Eric Hendricks has played to the fact that the Vikings aren't getting totally lit up on defense in the passing game. But when you look at their overall numbers against the pass, they are not Mike Zimmer-like. Um, the Vikings defense is either ranked third or fourth, The last four years in quarterback rating against, and I'm going to look it up right now because it's updated after Sunday. Uh, Let's see. So now they're 18th. They're 18th in quarterback rating against right now. We never would have expected that for this defense, Mm -hmm. but the secondary just hasn't been the same. When your two starting corners aren't playing well and they're being attacked a lot, uh, they're just not as good as they were in the past. And I have to wonder, just because of how corners age, and I don't think Waynes has ever been really good. He's been a good tackler. But yeah,
4: and I mean, he's always, he been good, against lot, yeah, like, always good against the run. Yeah, always
3: good against that,
4: the run. That's what we've known about him. I remember when, you know, year three is always the year that Mike Zimmer talks about, like it finally mm-hmm. clicking for cornerbacks. It's what it did. It's the progression that he had with Xavier Rhodes, with Trey Waynes, um, and with others throughout their careers. He hit year three in 2017. I wouldn't say he peaked then. But there hasn't really been anything that blows you away to think, man, it is really coming together for Trey Waynes here in 2018 and 2019. I think what you see is what you get with him, and I don't know if it's going to get any better anywhere else, but he's always going to be a commodity just because of how important that position is in a passing league, despite, I know what we talked about with his grades and coverage, he still is decent to really decent on the back end. I mean, he has moments where he flashes, I think, probably more than Rhodes Rhodes has in, in the last two years.
3: Yeah. Uh, I think what you have is pretty much Mm mid-pack, replaceable, a guy you don't pay. And like if you put Mike Hughes or Holton Hill in with all the throws and all the plays that Trey Waynes was in this year, it's probably the same or better. And that's largely been true for his entire career, where there has been some good, there has been some bad, and you've never felt like, whoa, you got to keep this guy. So to your point, Rhodes and Waynes probably have done enough in in not great ways in the first half to show right now they're not on the team next year. And Mackenzie Alexander hasn't been in that often, but but he's probably the most affordable of the three. And we wouldn't have said this a couple of years ago because it looked like he wasn't even going to be able to play the position. But that's one where I think he'll age better. Like, I think a nickel corner who's smaller is going to age better than the taller corners Outside like Wayne's and Rhodes.
4: And they've already had this succession plan in place. Like we can all joke about Mike Zimmer's comments uh in the twenty eighteen draft about just one more with the cornerbacks. Well, it really has seemed to work out. And the way that I see this working out now, if you're asking me at the trade deadline what they do next year, first off, Dalvin Cook's probably gonna get his extension, so that's gonna be your primary first primary focus of the offseason. Then, when you get closer to the to the deadline for free agency, starting the new league you're starting, you're probably letting Trey Wayans walk. You'll extend Mackenzie Alexander, but then you already have Holton Hill and Mike Hughes. So, what's to say that they're they're not your left cornerback and your right cornerback just from the jump of the 2020 season? And then you draft somebody. Yep. You you can use your first round pick or you can use your second round pick. I mean, I think it's still too early to tell what that needs going to be right now. But beyond the secondary, there are other tough decisions that they have to make with some veterans that they're going to have to restructure. You think about Riley Reesteele, what's going on with him, Everson Griffin, Kyle Rudolph. Um, There's a lot of decisions that they have to make here, and this is why this is the last time we're going to see this team look the way it does.
3: And uh, let's get to a few more of those as we go forward here in the show, because at the midway point... We're uh, in the trade deadline. We're not going to see big trades by the Minnesota Vikings today. Uh, They've got another 39 minutes to do so, but that's not going to happen. So uh, we're looking at the future of some of these players on the roster. And I've got a few more guys who I don't expect to be here after this year, based on what we've seen through the first eight games. Alex Boone comes up at three o'clock. Lorenzo Neal will help us pick some neck rolls at 320. The ultimate neck roll NFL player, Lorenzo Neal, is going to uh, do that and also explain that it was a forward pass by Frank Wycheck in the Music City Miracle. He was blocking for Frank Wycheck on that play, and I need him to tell me that that was a forward pass. So we'll do that as we go forward here. you listen to Purple Daily on Score North.
2: North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your healthcare game today and find your health family at NorthMemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's NorthMemorial.com slash family.
5: It was uh, tough, but, you know, um, with the uh, support of my teammates and the, like, coaches and everybody else, uh, uh, it was just, like, good for me to, like, take some time off to work with myself, like, mentally and physically, and I might just come back.
3: That was Holton Hill there, who now can come back. Is there a roster move coming, Courtney? There's
4: got to be. But it, they, I remember looking back at uh, when they did this on the last like, high-profile suspension that they had with Michael Floyd in 2017 when he had a four-game. I don't think it came till late. That was Stephen Ridley. That was, that was Stephen Ridley. That didn't come till later in the week. Yes, Stephen Ridley. He can Ridley. return to practice tomorrow. I don't think they have to make the move right away, but I would expect it probably to come around Wednesday. OK, before practice,
3: because I got that question on Twitter earlier today and it's like, well, sooner than later, I guess, mm-hmm. before the game, they will uh, make some sort of roster move. I think
4: you can return to practice. They just before the game, you have to activate them. So at um, least
3: by what, Friday?
4: Fr- last I mean, the last time I'm thinking about that situation in 2017, it was Monday.
3: Oh, OK. Before the game. All right. So to be determined, I guess. Let mm-hmm. me give you a couple of more names here just assessing based on the first half of the season whether these players will be here next year. Uh, Linval Joseph, I've got to say probably not and definitely not at his price. Like no, He could still so play, much... but you can replace a nose tackle who's giving you this type of performance for pretty cheap and his guaranteed money runs out after this year. They would have only a $2.4 million dead cap and he's just been okay. He's into his 30s. This is kind of how you expect it to go. When he was at his best in 2017, he was one of the best players in the NFL. That's just not the case anymore. Now Mm -hmm. he's kind of a a gap plugger, if you will. And
4: that's like what you expect from these guys as they get older. They don't wear out interior defensive linemen. They're not like losing speed, losing athleticism like you see with some edge rushers. He's there to be a big body in the middle. And he can still continue to do that. But not at $12.95 million with a cap hit. Like, you're probably looking for him to restructure. Um, I don't, and I can't see, I think leverage situation wise, no team's going to pay you that. Yep. Like, so you'd probably be wise to to continue on staying in Minnesota by agreeing to a restructure where um, you're taking a a reduce in price and Mm -hmm. and maybe even adding a couple years to your contract, getting a little bit more money up front right now. Uh if you were to completely say, Hey, let's extend him, let's try to do this, either restructure or the other way. Like I, I can't see him not in this defense, but just at the price right now, like and the reason I say that is because they've drafted replacements for him, and they they clearly don't feel any type of way about it that would give you reason to believe that Jaleel Johnson is going to replace him next year on a full-time basis.
3: And usually you can find a nose tackle somewhere to do this. Like, what he was at his best was a pass rusher, too, Mm -hmm. and a dominant force. And I'll always remember him in 2017 chasing down running backs who have gotten screen passes. And here comes Linval Joseph uh, to get him. And and by his PFF grades, he was one of the best in the NFL. Right now, he's 24th by pro football focus. And that's just not worth that price. So, like you said, he's going to have to either take the restructure or he's going to have to go somewhere else. And those are really the only two options. I think it's probably savvy to say, why don't we just have a full rotation in there with some you know, three-technique pass rushers, some guys who are nose tackles and who can stuff the run and and just do it that way uh, going forward and, and do it kind of on the cheap because your defensive ends are so good. But that leads me to our next guy, which is Everson Griffin, who has been unbelievably good through the first half of the season, one of the best players at his position in the entire NFL. But if we remember from his contract structure, that means he becomes a free agent yeah. if he continues to have
4: this kind of year. So what the, the incentives in the contract, so he has to have eight sacks, active or and active, or IR every game. So, I mean, he's not going on IR. He's not hurt. So, I mean, he will be. I mean, if he continues at this pace, he's got five sacks right now. He's got the third most pressures of any player, any defender in the NFL. Um, and he's healthy. So chances are he's going to hit all those voids in his contract and have a chance to hit free agency next Mm -hmm. year, but he's going to be 32. Like I try to look at this from both sides of the equation wondering, okay, you know, after doing a ton of research on it over the last two months, just figuring out why is he so explosive at his age? Why can he still have this violent pass rush? Why doesn't it go away? Um, As you get up in age, because, Not everybody's going to be the Everson-Griffin prototype. More defensive ends than not are going to be like Brian Robeson, where you have to become a situational pass rusher, and you get moved inside, and you're coming down in know certain pass rushing situations. So Griffin's bucked that trend, and he's really shown there hasn't been a drop-off. But I just don't know that they're going to give him elite pass rusher money. Nobody's going to do that. It's for somebody at 32 years old. But he could stay with the Vikings. I mean... I can't see him going anywhere else right now, given he's been here for a decade. He knows this defense, um, and and you always run that risk of go get your next big payday, but you could be out of the the league in a year if you're learning a brand new defense, um, and if it doesn't go well. That was the risk for him this year. That's why he decided to bet on himself, take a $3 million pay cut, and come back and play here.
3: I think what we've discovered is that pass rushers do last into their 30s unlike a lot of other positions. Um, Sage Rosenfels brought this up as a reason why the pass rushers are so much better than the offensive linemen around the league. When you get somebody who's elite, that guy will stay elite for a very long time. And even with Justin Houston, who is 30 years old, having a good year for the Indianapolis Colts, he left. He got paid by the Colts um, a $14 million cap hit this year. You could see. Mm other teams giving a a good amount of money to Everson Griffin after this season. So I don't think that that's going to be necessarily the easiest if he does become a free agent. But they almost set it up as if, if you don't play well, we're going to cut you. And if you do play well, it'll void your contract. So you're becoming a free agent either way. I agree with you, though, that this team tends to have loyalty to the players who were good, and they don't tend to look at the age curves, the positional value. Otherwise, they would have moved on from Linval. They would have moved on from Rhodes. Anthony Anthony Barr, Xavier Rhodes. Like, There's quite a few uh, guys that they would have said, you know what, you're just not really worth what we thought uh, at the time or at one, one time, or maybe your position isn't that valuable now, like Anthony Barr's.
4: Well, I mean, he's also in his prime, too. I think he's a little different case because he was 26 when right. he got that deal.
3: But I think if you were doing the chart, let's say a pie chart that we do sometimes, uh, and you were doing your, like, which positions mean how much toward winning, your linebacker position probably doesn't unless you're like Bobby Wagner. Or well, Lee yeah, Keeley.
4: especially in this type of defense. But he is, I mean, we have seen him in some pass rushing situations, very few, albeit, but... It's about the um, same as always. It's, it's just baffles my mind that you pay him all this money to come back um, when that's not a part of really his game plan at all anyways um, but no I mean I understand just from like a value standpoint they are loyal to their guys the guys that they drafted the guys that they brought up through their system and who knows if that changes Uh, I don't think it changes within this organization within this franchise leadership the way it is right now Um, if for some reason like thing you know down the line when Mike Zimmer retires or is fired same thing with Rick Spielman I mean maybe that does change because of a new Mentality, But I think it's safe to say that there are very few other organizations in the league who are as loyal to their veterans, even if they're past their prime, even if they're showing signs of, okay, this is probably the end Mm -hmm. um, in, in paying them big dollars to come back. I mean, Kyle Rudolph is a perfect example of that, the where he feels his value is and where the Vikings felt his value is. That's why it took so long to get that deal done in June. But he's somebody that I think of immediately when I think of 2020 and wondering if he's going to be on the roster
3: so that's exactly where I was going to go next, and he has a really interesting contract. I think Irv Smith has proven that he could be a full-time tight end. I think
4: Irv, he looks in really theory, has passed him already.
3: Yeah, I think so, too, and he probably should in snap count. Yeah, He can block better than Kyle Rudolph. From what I've watched on tape of Irv Smith, I think he's a better blocker, and he's a rookie, which really blows me away, yeah. and looking at and it's a bit of a different situation because one team has a quarterback, uh, but he's played better than Noah Fant, who everybody really loved, and probably better than TJ Hawkinson, too. He's been really good. And it looks even better when you start focusing on the small things, like him running routes when they don't throw him the ball, you don't focus on it. But a lot of times he's running good routes and he's open and he's blocking people and picking up blitzers and things and, and doing a good job in run blocking all the stuff that we questioned that we wondered, is he going to be able to do this stuff? But I guess coming from Alabama, he knew how to do a lot of it. Um, and, and what's interesting to me, just as a side note, is they haven't lined him up in the backfield yet, yeah. which we he might has see. Really,
4: he's very seldomly been used as a fullback, and that was a big part of his, of his role at Alabama.
3: Right, so they could do that even more. But looking at Rudolph's contract, here's the thing that jumps out to me. If the Vikings cut Rudolph after this year, they'll have to eat a lot of dead cap, mm-hmm. $5.8 million. But they will not owe him any cash. Zero cash will come out of Ziggy Wolf's pockets if Kyle Rudolph is cut after this year. Which is interesting to me. And after this season, wouldn't they have a good case to go to him and be like, Sorry, bro, that contract when we signed it uh, was not what we got out of you this year. Because now they're talking about him as a blocker. Like, okay, well, you could sign a blocking tight end for a million bucks. Yeah, I mean,
4: he's getting paid top 10 tight end money, top 15 maybe. And he's not performing like that. And it's really, it's just the role that he's been delegated in this offense. It's not saying that he's gotten worse. Um, I don't think, you know, his blocking is what it is. Is it better than where it was a few years ago? According to Mike Zimmer, it is. Um, but what Not according
3: to PFF, but yeah.
4: And, and I think it is kind of telling. I mean, just, you know, whether Kirk Cousins trusts him or not, um, you know, Kyle's out there quite a bit. And a lot of targets have not gone his way. There's been a few games where they have, Detroit being one of them, but he's not the red zone target he was two, three years ago. Um And I think part of that's age, too. I mean, he's not the fastest guy out there. Two hamstring injuries in college where your hamstrings tore off the bone, like that's going to catch up to you when you're 30 years old. So, I mean, he's had the ankle injury a few years ago. I mean, we knew kind of that at some point he was going to you know, kind of wind down a little bit. It, but, you know, his value in this offense is not where it was a few years ago or even last right. year. Right. Which, it's like, why do you want to pay that going forward when you have such a hellacious cap situation anyways in 2020?
3: Do you think they now regret, and I don't blame them for this, and we advocated for it, so I'm not criticizing the Vikings for doing this because at the time, the process made sense. You can't count on a rookie tight end and mm-hmm. a win-now year. And the two tight end sets have been huge for them. If it was just Irv Smith and... Tyler Conklin, maybe there wouldn't be that much attention. I don't know. On the tight end position from other teams, maybe there's some of that that they know they have to pay attention to Kyle Rudolph because he's had success in the past. But if you were to ask them now, would you do it over again? That contract, I'm sure they would say no. They would not want to sign up for dead cap money. A lot of it over the next four years, if they decide they want to move on from him. But when you, when you look at this, roster for next year based on what we know so far think about the level that you could raise it to if you took some of these underperforming players that are being overpaid and had better players in their prime that you signed in free agency or that you draft sliding into these positions and it's not that Rudolph has been any different than he is like you said he's just been featured less in this offense but that's not going to be worth 9.4 million dollars on the salary cap next year it just isn't so you could take some of that you would still end up saving if you do the quick math over four million dollars and apply that well, and to guaran- other places. He has
4: quite a bit of guaranteed money in two
3: thousand twenty. Does he? I've got this here. On... Got, he,
4: when he re- when he restructured on um, June eleventh, I think it was. It, you know, there was the the signing bonus of seven point two five. So he re- he moved down his base salary he you know yeah, took less yeah, for to, that to
3: make more cap space on the And there was
4: Bifons, a 1.7 and that was guaranteed that was what was guaranteed this year. He still has like 7.025 million due next year. So that's like the only thing I think that's kind of tricky with it.
3: Okay, so are, are you looking at over the cap? With I'm that? looking
4: at ours on ESPN oh, ESPN's okay. roster management.
3: Because over the cap has 7 million in base salary but 0 in guaranteed salary. is, is where I'm looking right there. So mm-hmm. it's 0 in guaranteed. Yeah, ours which is-
4: I'll have to go back and look at it, but I okay. I just remember like what the way that they spread out the guarantees was kind of like showing it going the extension would almost go into effect with some of like the bigger parts of the contract after the 2019 season, kind of like okay. how they did Thielen last year or this offseason. Um but, but either either way either if you're way, eating
3: if you're eating almost six million dollars in dead cap, that's not good. So the, the Rudolph situation is going to be an interesting one to watch because would they try to Trade him in the offseason or something like that? Or would they say, you know what, this version is fine. It's a little bit overpaid, but having these two tight ends is great and we'll transition Irv Smith. I Uh, I mean,
4: I feel like they kind of put themselves in a situation here where they knew these next two years, 2019 and 2020, were going to be, you know, we want to keep this guy around. He thinks his value is one thing, we think it's something else. Let's try to meet somewhere closer to the middle where I think he kind of forced his hand on that a little bit with what he said publicly. I mean, there's so many teams that had been calling about, you know, <laughs> trades. I mm-hmm. mean, not, you know, admitting to tampering or anything like that, but if there were, don't you think that the Vikings would have potentially tried to move him?
3: Um. Yes. Yeah, I do. If, that was actually uh, if true? they had good value coming yeah. back for it, then I think they would have moved him. Alright, Last one on the list here has is a guy who they could move on from if they want to, but his actually come around a little bit more this year from where he was last year. And that's Riley Mm reef. I don't know on Riley reef, whether he's here next year or not. I mean, he's 30 years old and there was a time this year where I thought they should bench him because he was not playing very well. And then over these last few games, he's come back around. But what usually happens with Riley reef is if he plays anybody good, he gets shredded. If he plays guys who aren't good, then he's usually okay. And that's just been his career. For a left tackle, the price isn't too bad, but there would be also an opportunity potentially to move Brian O'Neal yeah. to the other side after this year. I just, I just think overall Riley Reef has been pretty solid this year, and if they wanted to cut him after this year, it would still cost them some in dead cap. So I think he probably is here, based on how he's played in the first half. This it's, is a hard one.
4: It's a hard one because, like, let's think back to the off season when there was the talk about moving him to left guard. Um, maybe they should have, and maybe they should have drafted a tackle when Andre Dillard was available to them, and then you're looking at a completely different situation with this offensive line. But at some point, you know do you let him play out the remainder of his contract or do you want to get Brian O'Neill established over as as your franchise left tackle? I think that that's something that they're in kind of in status quo with their tackle positions right now. It's fine. It can get you by for another few years, but what if there's a really good tackle class and they want to take somebody and what if they find that the next Brian O'Neill out there that they can get with like the 60th overall pick in the second round or whatever it was that they drafted him with. Um, that might give you reason to believe that you can move on from Riley Reef, but he, here's the thing you keep that we mentioned, like we're talking about all this dead cap. You can't just cut all these guys and be like, "Yeah, look at all these cap savings, but like also look at all this dead cap that we're you know we're still paying guys out on contracts that aren't even here. It's more value if they're on your roster than not if you're paying them so That, to me, is uh, kind of the push and pull here, figuring out whose value would potentially project them onto the roster in 2020 and whose would say, okay, it's time to move on. We will incur that hit because we know we can get his replacement either in free agency or in the draft.
3: All right, let's take a break. We'll come back, and the trade deadline will be upon us. As we talk over the next few minutes. And then Alex Boone comes up at three, and Lorenzo Neal joins the show. He also does sports radio in San Francisco. He does. He's so on
4: 95 7 The Game.
3: We got to get his take on the NFC's best team, I think, maybe, or maybe not. We'll find out. We'll talk to uh, Lorenzo Neal about his neck roll at 320. We'll be right back. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North.
2: Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours.
1: Jonathan here with the Score North download. You can listen to Score North with Amazon Alexa. Just say Alexa, open Score North, and you'll hear the soothing sounds of Purple Daily, Mackey, and Judith with Rami, and much, much more. Just say Alexa, open Score North, and with the trade deadline, just so. A- 13 minutes away now. Vikings fans, which trade or any trade do you want to see your team make as we approach this deadline? Let us know over at Score North on Twitter, at SKOR North on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Back
3: here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin, Alex Boone joins the show for hot routes, then Lorenzo Neal at 320. So a lot coming up here on the show. Um, so, Courtney, I want to get your opinion on the sports contest the other night between Green Bay and Kansas City. Was that a preview of what we're going to see this week when you and I both travel to Arrowhead Stadium?
4: I mean, the quarterback play will probably... Uh, for Green Bay, if you're saying for the opponent, I don't know if Kirk Cousins is making that same throw to Jamal Williams in the corner of the end zone. No, I think
3: we know how that throw turns out if Kirk Cousins
4: tries <laughs> But, it. I mean for a game that lost a little bit of its luster from the outs outside of the NFC North for everybody else watching this and expecting Rodgers and Mahomes I still think it was a pretty damn good game. Like I was really excited throughout most yeah, of it, it was and a great watching game. kind of like just two heavyweights in Andy Reid and Aaron Rodgers go back and forth. Um will we see that same type of game this week? I'm not so sure. Um but I do think that when you look at this, like how can the Vikings win this game? It's kind of set up perfectly for a Dalvin Cook day to mm-hmm. just go off because right. that run defense has been really, really bad in Kansas City. Um, you know, other than that, I just kind of wonder okay, so we know that Mahomes is still kind of doing light practice, things like that, but there's nothing more than an outside chance that he plays this week, right? I can't see so it. I can't, yeah, I can't either. Um, I tend to think this is when you're looking at it from kind of just a, 30,000-foot perspective, it's another break that's going Minnesota's way where they could feasibly be 7-2 and two going into Dallas.
3: Yeah, I think both of those teams gave us a little insight into what they're good and what they're not mm-hmm. good at. Like The Packers have Zadarius Smith, who's a great player, and Jair Alexander, who's a great player, but they're not an impenetrable defense that even Matt Moore and Andy Reid found ways to move the football on Green Bay. And, he, and I look at them as being one of the top teams in the NFC, Green Bay, but not of quite the same caliber as San Francisco and New Orleans. They're almost at a dead tie, in my mind, with the Vikings. And it's really one throw that's the difference in Green Bay between that game. So it's so close between those two. They both have flaws. They both have a ton of talent. And I think that race is going to go down to the very end. With Kansas City, though, what they showed us is, you know, even though Patrick Mahomes does special, special things and wins the MVP, that he has a lot of help with really great players and a really great play caller, very bad game management, yeah. uh, Andy Reid, but really, really great play caller. And that it is not with Matt Moore under center, someone you can take lightly. It, it you have to go into the game at Arrowhead assuming that Kansas City is going to be able to move the football with Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins and Lashawn McCoy like they have Nicole these, the, and and Travis Kelsey like they have playmakers mm-hmm. and even though they they have flaws and their offensive line isn't that great they know how to use you know misdirections and unique play designs they had two guys go for a shovel pass and then threw it down the field the other night in a really brilliant play design. So this is not one where you go to KC and think, oh yeah, well, Vikings got this because it's Not Patrick Mahomes. Like Matt Moore could still beat them with as well as he played against Green Bay the other night.
4: And that that comeback that they staged in the second quarter through the third quarter. I mean, that was a close game, and that was because of quarterback play. Some really well designed plays for Matt Moore to execute. And I just don't think you can rule out anything when Andy Reid is your play caller and putting a a backup quarterback in a situation where he's making some pretty darn good throws
3: question for you yes do you think that the vikings on the road on grass is a real thing or is it just been a recent trend that's small sample and random like even going back to 2017 they lost to carolina on the road on grass then they lost in the nfc championship on the road on grass and we've seen them struggle at times Getting pressure on the quarterback and playing the same level of football, they lost to Chase Daniel on the road on grass. Well, in
4: Green Bay is technically a mixture of grass and turf. I don't know if you're aware of that. I was it's not, not solely grass. I did not know so, that. So um, I don't know if you count that in places that they've struggled. I'm going to go with yes. I think I, I th- it
3: has enough grassy nature. Yeah. For for it to still hey, be is grass. Met, is
4: MetLife grass?
3: No, I think that's turf. Turf. Okay. okay. Yeah.
4: I mean, it's outdoors. Yeah, I, think I mean, do we want to go with like outdoor games? I don't know. Like... I don't know.
3: I've gotten that question a few times, and I don't know what to make of it, because it is true that it seems that when they've gone on the road to the places that have grass, they have not played the same caliber of football. <sighs> um, but that could be, it could be just that, that it's been a few good teams. Like, the Bears seem to have their number with their defensive line, and they almost beat the Packers, except for it was, you know, an interception late in the game. But I think going to Arrowhead
2: is hard.
4: Yeah, I think it's one of the hardest places to play in the NFL, as we found out throughout, you know, this this run that the Chiefs have gone on since Reed has taken over. And it's loud. It's going to, I mean, I think they are kind of lucky that it's not a primetime game. Just coming out of the break, do you really want that type of spotlight on your team when you've been doing so well? I think it kind of, the fact that they're in this 12 o'clock window on Sunday in Week 9 kind of might balance out some of the expectation, maybe take away some of the hype of this game. That's, I mean, the game has already kind of had the get hype taken away just with Mahomes being out. Right. But is grass the reason for. Projecting I don't think them? so. I don't think I, so. I think
3: it's probably just that it's.
4: I would love to know what Mike Zimmer thinks about that. Yeah. I think he would very much dispel that notion with. Um, some very funny words. Yeah,
3: I guess I, I don't want to be the one to ask him. It's just I've gotten that question on Twitter a few times that it's not completely wrong by the recent numbers of the last I few think years. I think it's coincidence.
4: Yeah, what, probably. Wouldn't it be harder to play on turf when you're slipping and you know you have more risk for injuries and it's you're falling to the ground, it's harder on your body? I
3: do think that they are a
4: noticeably
3: different team on the road than they are at home when mm-hmm. they're not playing teams that are a joke
4: sure sure i mean that's that's a narrative that i will buy into not like the surface of the play the playing surface but they are a different team when they have something to prove on the road they had something to prove in week 5 coming off of the 2 and 2 start and you know the all the comments that came out in week 4 they had to win that game against the giants they had to win that game against the Lions to kind of establish a little bit more dominancy in the NFC North. They took care of business in both of those venues, um, and they do look like they have a little bit more sense of urgency when they are playing on the road.
3: All right, let's uh, get Alex Boone in here and Lorenzo Neal in 20 minutes so we can talk fullbacks, as uh, one does, and the San Francisco 49ers as well. But we've got some hot routes, and I feel like I've got some really good questions Mm -hmm. coming up. we're good. All right we'll do that when we return you'll listen to purple daily on score north tcl is a proud sponsor of the score north studios
2: tcl america's fastest growing tv brand it's purple daily
5: has questions. Blue 58, blue 58,
1: go. And he wants your answers.
5: Three, red, 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 red. Poly, blue poncho.
1: In rapid fire fashion.
2: Gun flex right stack. 394 dragon smoke.
1: It's hot routes on Purple Daily. 980,
2: green
3: it is that time of day for Hot Routes where we ask some burning questions around the league, and sometimes they pertain to our lives and thoughts and feelings. Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin, and now welcoming in former Viking Alex Boone. What is up, Alex? Are you ready Dude, for this? I'm so
5: excited right now. We're doing blazing hot routes. I'm Football. So These aren't the
3: regular ones. These are blazing nah. hot. And then uh, we will get into Lorenzo Neal 3.20. Uh, The ultimate neck roll fullback will help us give out a neck roll of the week. So let's ramp it up, Jonathan, and let's get to these burning questions in the hot routes. Okay? First question. Uh, Courtney, you can start us off here. James Conner got hurt last night, leaving Pittsburgh with literally one running back who is healthy on their roster. If you could bring back any running back in Pittsburgh Steelers history and plug them into the Steelers right now, who would it be? I mean,
4: I think you know where I'm going to go with this. If you're leading off with me like you did last week on the best Washington player of all time, I'm going to take the most popular answer. And I watched Peyton's Places this past weekend, um, and his where where did the fullback go interrogation thing with Jerome Bettis was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Um, they really did set it up like an interrogation. So yeah, I'm going with the bus. Okay. That, that's think, an easy that's a good answer. Pick.
5: It's a good pick. Great pick. Uh, Great pick. Alex, who do you want to go with? I'm going to go with Le'Veon Bell. And I say that because when he was there, he was incredible with that offensive line, and what they could do to a defense was fun to watch. And I know everyone's really mad at him and whatever, and he's on the trade block, so this could actually happen right now.
3: We'll see. We're getting right to the trade deadline. I think here. we're so past it, ad, it now. But if anything, pass it, oh, we, oh yeah. Actually, just, just, as speak, just as you speak, just as you speak, Adam Schefter says, Deadline is come and gone. No trades for Trent Williams, Darius Slay, Jamal Adams, or Le'Veon Bell. So let's let's will... blame
4: Boone for killing the Le'Veon Bell trade for the last, <laughs> is what sorry, he said guys. in the last two minutes. Just
3: just now, you just killed, you it. killed it. You uh, killed it. All sorry, right, guys. Jonathan. So, two recent popular picks off of the board. Who would you like for your Steelers?
1: running back. Mine's another recent one, but he's only there for two seasons and 25 games. I love D'Angelo Williams as a oh, Panther yeah, yeah. and then as a right. Steeler. He was always just so consistent, always giving you four and a half yards of carry. Yeah. I just like. I would love to have him on the Steelers right now just because they need someone to consistently carry the load for them.
3: There are so many good possibilities here. I'll go with one of the most underrated Pittsburgh Steelers ever. And it is recent, and I'm sure we have some older fans who watch back in the day who are like, why don't you pick this guy or that guy? Why don't you go with Franco Harris? Uh, because I didn't see Franco Harris. Right. Uh, but Willie Parker, man, yeah. good player. There for a long time, really carried Roethlisberger early on with their run game, and uh, you know he was... Super quick and shifty and could be powerful when you wanted him to be. He was there for both Super Bowls in the backfield in the Roethlisberger era. So I'm going to go Willie Parker. If he was back with them, maybe they would still be bad. Probably. (laughs) All right. Our next hot route. Uh, Speaking of bad things, two tremendously bad football coaches, Brian Flores and Matt Nagy, both saying they were right in doing tremendously bad things. Uh, Brian Flores sending an all-out blitz that led to a touchdown for Pittsburgh last night and Matt Nagy making life harder on his kicker, which, by the way, his kicker acknowledged that Nagy made it harder on him today. Uh, I want you guys to give me something that you did in your life that turned out terribly, but you're going to defend it all day. So be an NFL coach is even when you make the worst decision possible, and it is provably incredibly stupid, like sending an all-out <laughs> blitz when all you need to do is tackle the Steelers and play prevent defense, but you say, no way, I would do it a 1,000 times out of a 1,000. Alex, why don't you begin?
5: I, anything I say, anything that comes out of my mouth, I could really answer this with. I mean, literally anything that comes out of my mouth. <laughs> I have to defend it all day, and I'm honest about it, and people sometimes think I'm crazy, but it's really truly how I feel. I mean, I've never really lied to anybody. So, and And... Can we just talk for a minute about the Matt Nagy thing? Because this one kind of like baffles me. Like we have all the trust in Eddie Pinero, but we're not going to kick that field goal because we know he's going to miss it, and guys, it's just not worth it. Like, what was that? Like, how disrespectful could you be to somebody? That it was especially weird because like your running back is
3: doing great. Yeah. So why not just? Plow forward with him. If you get a first down, that's even better. Because like don't
4: you remember, team? when teams know you're going to run the ball, you're automatically set up for a three- to four-yard line. I know. That's what he said. What what kind of, I mean, he's going to lose the locker room. Right, I, I, I mean, know he really you think. Is. He's protecting Well, he guys. already
5: has. You know he already yeah. has because they headed the players' only meeting. Once you have the players' only meeting, it's over. Like You, can, you don't come back from those because there's nothing nice said in those. It's not like, guys, <laughs> we're doing great. I just thought we would take five minutes to talk about how awesome we were. It's like, listen, I don't mean to be the guy that stands up here, but it's your fault, your fault, and your fault. Yeah. I'm out. Later. And, and the coach is great, though. We yeah. love the coach. We love this guy behind us. He's I mean, cool. If if you are a
3: guard on the Chicago Bears and your coach says, well, oh, if they know we're running, we're going to lose four yards, you're like, uh, thank excuse you. me. Excuse me, I had a hundred-yard <laughs> rushing day. No. Right. Uh, you, so you you're saying that I was going to get blown up and give up a four-yard loss? Oh, okay. Uh um, uh, but, yeah, all right, you still didn't answer the question, though. Are you just going with everything in your life? Because that's a major cop-out.
5: <laughs> that, that pretty much. I mean, I couldn't really nail it down to one thing. I mean, think about all the times you've questioned me. I've been like, dude, I'm just telling you the truth. You're like, yeah, you're, I guess you're right. I'm it's, like, uh,
3: This is a Courtney Cronin-style answer.
4: No, right, I actually I have a very good answer. Okay, all you. right, oh, go, here we go. go ahead, go ahead. So when I was 16 years old, right after my birthday, my parents got me a used car. And... That was around the time that this song called "Ghost Ride the Whip" by oh Mr. My Fab gosh. came out. It you
3: takes. did not ghost ride your whip.
4: Would you let me finish my story, please? Oh my god! Um, yes. So we're at we're at a friend's <laughs> house uh, at a bonfire, and we go out. The front, god, I'm like to get through this. Um, anyways, we go out in the front yard and like get in the car because I was kind of getting ready to leave. So some of my friends jump. I had a Toyota Highlander. They some of my friends jumped on the. Um, the bumper. And I was like, you guys are got to be kidding me. What are we doing? And I go stride the whip. And I was like, okay. So they were fine. Like, and then this other girl who will not be named on this show. Let's just call her Barbara. It's not her name. But Barbara gets on and proceeds. And I'm going about like two miles an hour. And she falls off and cracks her head open. Oh, no. And it was a whole scene, and her mom came over and threatened all of us. And it's like, Am I going to have to tell your parents about this, Courtney? I'm like, No, woman. I will handle it. Barbara's mom, I will handle (laughs) this myself. But you know what? I don't regret that. I don't regret it for a second. It's your fault you fell off the car. It's your fault you cracked your head open. Like,. Hold on. Next time, I had a mm. ski rack on top of my car, a okay. luggage rack. Like, so
3: someone else was riding your whip.
4: Yes, I was driving. Ghost riding. Okay, your but whip. if
3: you're driving, then it's not ghost riding. Yeah, ghost riding they is were, when you get out of yes, the car know, and jump and on top on. of it.
4: The song came out. That is what right, we did. Okay. It was 2006. I'm defending the decision
1: did, to this day. Like I will an NFL defend coach. it till I die. Uh, uh, Jonathan Barber's fault. I don't really. I was. I've been thinking about this question. I couldn't think of anything that turned out terribly for me personally. I'm gonna go with the corndog suit. <laughs> it didn't turn out terribly. The hilarity was fun, and I would defend doing that again, but I mean it's probably changed the way some people see me. Um yeah, well the corndog suit, I mean, it was funny. Yeah. I
3: will defend so that. You'll that defend it was the corndog yeah. suit. There I mean, I'm gonna go with every fight that I got in with my high school baseball coach. Every <laughs> single one. I was right, he was wrong. I'll give you I'll give you one short story. So I, uh, we were, it was late in the game and I was having a tough day at the plate, but whatever. I'm a senior. I should get this opportunity late in the game. So I get Fair. to the batter's box and I dig in and then he calls time and pinch hits somebody else. So he let me walk all the way to the batter's box as opposed to before I walked out and just pinch hitting someone else. So it looked like, oh, I forgot this idiot is batting. Let me pull his ass, right? So, Dude, so no,
5: he didn't. So
3: I stood right there, waited for him to walk all the way down to tell me, like, to my face. And then I slapped my own face and said, that's a bleeping slap in the face, you bleep. And then walked back to the, uh, the dugout, and then we had it out in the dugout as well. But I would defend that all day, because if you're going to pinch hit for me, do it before I walk out and dig in. And then you make me look like an idiot.
5: But there's like 30 more of those. Dude, those are fighting words right there. I agree with that. There's a better way to do that.
3: All right. Moving on to our next. Who is Teddy Bridgewater playing for next season? Who wants to start? Alec, do you want to go? Give a real answer
5: maybe? Yeah, I do. I have some serious answers here. I think that one of them might be Tennessee. I just think that with the way they're going and they're they're going to be, obviously I don't think Ryan Tannehill's like, they're like, hey, guys, we just found a diamond in the rough. Like that's not going to happen. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's, you know what I mean. Tampa Bay is obviously going to be another one, and not only that, but I kind of like the Teddy Bruce Arians because i played for Bruce, and I know how he is, like, personally, and I know how Teddy is, and I think they really jive together. I love Tampa won- Bay for this, yeah. Dude, because he's like the air it out, Teddy, do what you want, roll around, move around, get to throw it, and have some fun with Mike Evans. I think that's a big one, and also, I'm going to say two that everyone's going to laugh at me, but it's okay because everyone laughs anyways. Panthers or Falcons? Oh, Just- and Falcons. Maybe not the Falcons. I just, you never know. I don't know. Panthers, though, I could see if they move on
3: from Cam Newton. They're not giving the job to Kyle Allen after this week. No, dude. They're, after what just happened last week?
5: No, no chance. What do you think? The 20. Chicago
4: Bears. Oh. And why I say that? Because Ooh. if they keep him in New Orleans, let's say I have a feeling Breeze is going to come back and say one more year, one more year, and they're all going to cheer. Everybody's going to be like, wait, well, what do we do about Teddy? Because we right. need to pay him starter's money. And as we know in New Orleans, their cap situation is worse than the Vikings because they just yep. keep kicking that thing down the line, and eventually that credit card bill is going to come. So he wants starter, he's going to have to be paid starter's money. So, I think that with the situation in Chicago as it currently stands, Mitchell Trubisky is not your answer for the rest of this season. So, I mean, heck, they should. I mean, it's too bad that the trade deadline just passed because that would have been a good way for Chicago to save their season. But 2020 and beyond, I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be back in the NFC North it's playing for the Chicago Bears, and Trubisky will be a, somewhere. Backup, I mean, somewhere. Backup.
1: Uh, what do you think, uh, Jonathan? Right. turn on my mic. Uh, Tampa Bay. I mean, you guys mentioned it in Score North Live. Tampa Bay's got some nice pieces. It's Florida. It's not his home in Florida, but it's a different part of Florida. And, you know, you go from one good offensive coach to another in Bruce Arians. Plus, you have some nice pieces on the offense. Yeah, and uh,
3: I think that the fact that they have those wide receivers there would be really great for Teddy, and they continue to build the offensive line. And with him, they're a playoff team, or at least really competitive for being a playoff team, as opposed to really bad with Jameis Winston year after year after year. I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints. Here's how I see this playing out. Drew Brees gets to the Super Bowl. He beats Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. He walks off John Elway or Peyton Manning style. He says, I am a GOAT. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Sean Payton says, all right, Teddy, it's your ball game now. You could throw to Michael Thomas and Elvin Kamara for the rest of your years. I think that's how it plays out, that he is a Norland Saint you Next don't think
4: year. that Breeze is going to come back and say one more year?
3: I, not if they not if he wins. I think if he wins the Super Bowl, which he very well could, yep. that team is great. Uh, then sure. I think he calls it quits. It's like the legendary quarterback thing to do. Then people would talk about it forever. They'd be like, Elway did it, Manning did it, Breeze did it. I think that'd be really cool for him. All right, last one. Uh, Joe Flacco's hurt. Surprisingly, after he trashed everyone in the team, then he's like, <laughs> oh, he's out now. Uh, so Brandon Allen is going to start against the Vikings in a couple of weeks when the Vikings play Denver. I have never heard of Brandon Allen, and you guys know my affinity for backup quarterbacks. I have never heard of this man. I want you guys to give me the first random quarterback that comes to mind and then tell a story about them. Go ahead, Alex. You played with a lot of them.
5: Alright, so the first one that came to my mind when you said backup quarterback was Blaine Gabbert. And, <laughs> Love, <laughs> dude, it. You, Love it. Love it. You laugh, but Blaine was the greatest because he was one of these guys when he was on the field, he'd get so amped up and so mad, he'd be like talking under his wrist. like he'd throw the ball and the receiver I'd be like, God Are you kidding me? God I can't even catch a ball. <laughs> and then so you'd be like in the honey be like, Dude, is he alright? He'd be like, Oh yeah, yeah, it's totally fine, he's just really mad the guy dropped the ball. He'd be like, Dude, you know what? Just just go. Just go. You know what? Come on. Alright, come on, come on, let's go. Like He's just so spastic and like wild. He gets so mad. And you were like, dude, this guy's going to fight somebody. But he was so fun to be around.
3: Blaine Gabbert. Uh, awesome person. Awesome. Love him. Jonathan, first random quarterback that comes to mind.
1: And then tell a story about them. Uh, Tony Banks came to mind. Backup quarterback for the Rams and then Ravens and then uh, Washington and Houston. He comes to mind because I was, back in my younger days, I was a Rams fan when they had the greatest show on turf. And I remember watching the NFL documentary about that season. And they when they talk about uh, Trent Green going down to injury, they showed Dick Vermeule talking about, we're going to get behind Kurt Warner. And then they quickly talk about Tony Banks as one of the options. Like He basically shoved him. I was like, nah, you're not going to be the guy. No, we're good, dude. No, no, no. And Thanks, then they immediately trade him Anthony. to the Ravens, and then he becomes a backup for Trent Dilfer that's on right. another Super Bowl winning he, squad.
3: That's right. And he started that season yeah. as their starting quarterback and got benched for Dilfer, and then they won the Super Bowl. Uh, Courtney, random quarterback, go.
4: I don't expect any of you to know the name Moses Moreno. Oh, of
3: course. Yeah,
4: Bears. How would you know that? He was there for like a year and he didn't do anything. Journeymen are my business. Okay. Well, (laughs) he was the first name that came to mind and I wanted to look a little bit further into what happened to him after that. I didn't know that he went to go play for the Chargers for two or three seasons. Um, but I did look up his LinkedIn, and he is the president of a heating and air conditioning company oh, now. And him. he has been for eight years, so hats off to Moses Moreno. Good, he for, did you, not, he did, good for you, M. He did not set himself apart from no. the crop of very mediocre, very forgettable quarterbacks of the late 1990s in Chicago. tell
3: you why, because on Madden 99, I would take any quarterback with any speed, and I would put them in and try to run with them, and Moses Moreno had speed. I don't know if he actually had speed, but Madden used to have a problem with any... I mean, he
4: was a seventh-round pick.
3: Any quarterback of color they would give a bunch (laughs) of speed to, and I'm just saying that happened, that's probably a mistake. Uh, I'm going to go Luke McCown, because here's why. Luke McCown, late in the 2004 season, played against the Buffalo Bills, and for whatever reason, I remember this game so well as being the worst quarterback game I have ever seen in my life. He just looked like he was a high school quarterback against an NFL team. He went eight for 20 with 62 yards, two interceptions, a 25 rating and was sacked six times for 65 yards. So do the math there. He was sacked for more yards. than he gained passing 65 yards lost 62 yards gained a net of minus three yards.
5: That's like a Blaine Gabbert game. No, but, you had, but you had so much fun during the game that you're like, dude, I don't even care. That was amazing because you watched him <laughs> try to fight every receiver. <laughs>
3: oh, that's great. Okay, well, that is uh, hot routes for today. Now, Some I'm, good
5: routes. We're not going to take a break
3: just yet because I want you guys to react to nothing happening at the trade deadline here. I mean, this had the potential to be an explosive trade deadline where the shape of the league could be changed by Trent Williams and Jamal Adams and then... You know, just like sad trombone
5: happens. It was and too nothing. late of a push. It was too late of a push. And my question is, if you're the team tanking, why would you pick up an older player and give it away a pick? Like that made no sense to keep to leap Yeah. What were, what were they thinking? Like were they like, you know what, guys were completely tanking you know what though, I'm a big keep to leap fan, guys. Get him on our squad. Let's go. I mean, he's a great guy. Like great, great for guy, the, I'm great sure, for the culture. Yeah, No, well, I don't know. He usually he's probably so pissed too. He went from the Rams to the Dolphins. He's like, dude, I my agent's fired. I I hate my coaches. I hate everybody. He's probably so mad. I, I was saying, great guy, sarcastically. Like he's been arrested. A,
3: Couple of times and all that. I'm sure, uh, he... but but it's been better recently. What do you what do you make uh, Courtney of this though? I mean, I mean not, he was on IR, star...
4: so I was kind of su- I was a little surprised by that. But none of the star
3: players no, moving though. That that to me is very surprising. The
4: Trent Williams one is just another black eye for this organization in yeah. Washington to show that this could have been done months ago when he says, "Hey, I don't want to be here." Well, why didn't you try to figure it out back then? Right, like you. We, we know that this internal chaos that was going on didn't just start week one in Washington. It had been going on for a while. They knew this, and they shot themselves in the foot. So now I kind of wonder, what's going to happen to him? Is he going to stay around like, and kind of have to do like a, a Melvin Gordon-type situation, like walk back, tail in between your legs, like, okay, I'll play no. now? Well, that's like, what is no, being reported
3: no right now is that Trent Williams is going to report. To play, he
5: is. That's what. It, yeah, that's what's being that reported is, right yeah. now. So, so what do you? What's gain the point? In that is the question, right? Yeah, like, you've I, missed half the season, and now you're going to show up. You first of all, your team is decimated right now. I wouldn't so come how you, back. How do you think they feel? They're going to be like, dude, where you been? Like, we really could have used you for some of those games, and now you want to come back?
3: Maybe his best chance to earn more money in the future would be my guess. If he plays second half of the season, he's really good, and then is his contract up after this year?
5: I think it was it two I'll, more years. I'll
3: check. I think it was two more years. But yeah. maybe he can prove that he's worth trading for for somebody else. I mean, this is this is a situation that um I think was botched from the very beginning. In in the offseason when he said I'm not playing for you guys, then they should have said okay, we're going to trade you then and, and taken a first round pick back and started their rebuild. Instead, right. yeah, he does have two years left. I think he needs this for the accrued time playing in the NFL. He needs to play the second
5: half of the season. What
4: year is this for him? It's got to be
5: like eight. Yeah, yeah. I, think so it's, it's, I think it's around it's eight. It's not
4: a matter, though, of his contract tolling, is no, it? No, no. So, he's,
5: he's made a fortune. Yeah, he doesn't he's need beyond... to play football. That's why my whole point is, what do you gain by coming back? Like You said you were mad at the doctors, and now they've done nothing. And now you're like... All right. Well, I was just kidding. Now I'm back. Yeah. This, that,
3: that's, that's a bizarre. weird, that's a weird one. And Jamal yeah. Adams becoming all of a sudden on the trade block at the very last second. Very weird to me too. Cause if you're the Jets, you would only point to like three guys where you'd be saying, okay, you all ain't going anywhere and we'll rebuild Keep the rest running. around this. Right. It would be Darnold and Jamal Adams. Right. I mean, why would well, he, he end up being on the block? Out.
5: He said he wanted out. Is what I had. done. Yeah. Which I don't blame I said, him for. I don't. I, but it, you know, that's another thing. Like these guys get so heated, and it's like last minute, and they're like, "I want out." and They're like, "Dude, you have five minutes to get traded. Like, where are are supposed to go." <laughs> yeah. Like, exa- like why, why did Le'Veon
4: Bell's name get brought up now? Like, if Adam Gates really didn't want him there, wouldn't I you? Think that, what? Think wouldn't you have done that? It might be, but I mean, like, it was very clear that after Mike McCagnin got fired, all the stuff that was leaked out, that Adam Gates didn't really want him in the first place. Why wouldn't you have tried to find a? to ship him off to because it was um, for teams that have cap space in 2020 and beyond because that's when his biggest hits come into effect like you could get by this year, no problem. Right. But I mean, there were teams, like if you were actually planning this thing out and wanted to do this in a timely fashion where it wasn't like, hey, there's four hours till the trade deadline, let's throw his name out there. I think you could have gotten it done. I mean, he hasn't done anything for the Jets so far. I mean, they have not real. he has not been a part of that offense. He said, what, one game yeah. of 100 yards and, from scrimmage, And the offense
3: is trash. Yeah. And you
4: could have, this. this goes
3: under foreseeable things, most obvious things in the world from the day Adam Gase was hired. We knew that this was exactly how the New York jets were going to play out this year. Like, why did you hire this guy who wasn't even a good coach for Miami? Do you guys remember the Vikings versus Miami last year? Where in the subsequent weeks after that, Mike Zimmer kept saying, well, Miami didn't really game plan for us because they were lost. But other than that, <laughs> he, he took like four jabs at how bad Miami was that day. And then someone else wants to hire that coach. I mean, I I never could make much sense of this from the very beginning. Why Adam Gase would be the coach of that team when he has accomplished nothing outside of being uh, Peyton Manning's um, quarterback coach or or offensive coordinator?
5: I I don't know. I'm with you. I think that when you talk about the Jets this offseason, they were doing some things that people were like, wow, man. This team actually kind of looks like they're on the rise, right? And then all of a sudden they fired their GM. You're like, never mind. They were <laughs> right. They were just messing with everybody because then, a week after that, the head coach is out here talking about contracts. Like, dude, nope, nope, nope. They really went the opposite direction. Like, this team didn't even have a chance. They didn't even start with the – they had to play Cleveland. They had to play a lot of tough games early on. People that wanted to just really stick it to them. And then, you, like you said, you have all this dysfunction going on, like especially with, like, the Kelechi of Semele, Like, they just cut them. Now they're in court with them. Like
4: That's going to be – be the weirdest thing, like I mean, that's, the, the way that that do, goes down, no do one's gonna trust player, your medical staff that right. like that. How
5: do you tell a player you can't have surgery? Like he's like, dude, listen, I've been playing for nine years in this league. I know what I can't play. I need to have surgery, and they're like, no, you can't. Like <laughs> every player in that locker room was just like, guys, we really better think about our health going forward because right. they just cut Colechi and they're taking him to court for it. What do they think about us? And the head coach has already made it apparent that he doesn't like half the team because their salary. Like, dude, you're not the owner. Shut up and stop stepping out of your own box.
3: All right, got to take a break. we got to get Lorenzo Neal on the show. When we Can't return, wait. he is doing a San Francisco Sports Radio, also one of the great fullbacks of all time. We will talk with him about San Francisco and fullbacking. When we return, here you'll listen to Purple Daily on Score
2: North. This is the sweet spot of the field, too. There's a fumbled snap. No, they give it to Neal. He picks it up. He runs left side, barrels his way over the goal line. Touchdown, Lorenzo Neal. A little bit of debauchery, yeah, a little well. trickery. I thought Bubba Rusty, Bubba Bubba I didn't know they had that in their playbook. All right,
3: welcome back to Purple Daily. Uh, We will keep uh, trying to get Lorenzo Neal on the phone here, and uh, when we do, we will talk to him a little bit about the 49ers and the return of the fullback. But let's um, continue the uh, trade deadline conversation for a second here. Courtney Cronin, Alex Boone. Um, Alex, were you surprised at all? Any percentage surprised that the Vikings did not do anything? And should they have done
5: something? No, no, listen, listen. And people, There's a lot of people that have a lot of philosophies, but this one thing I know, it's when you add pieces late to the puzzle, they better really jive quickly because if they don't, they can fracture it. You know what I'm saying? Like if the team's moving in the right direction and you're like, hey, man, we got everything we need, just go with it. We're rolling now. The ch- train's left. This bus is gone. We got to go with this because the chemistry's right here. And sometimes when you throw in that new piece, man, it can really go haywire.
4: I agree, and I think that they felt all along that the core that they have um, would potentially get them to the playoff, can potentially get them to the playoffs. I mean, certainly at six and two right now, it's looking pretty good. But they had fielded calls on Stefan Diggs throughout the whole notion that he didn't want to be here. They had fielded calls dating back to free agency on Trey Wayne's. Um, I know Xavier Rhodes' name was thrown in there, but that kind of died off uh, back in like the off season, but. There was times where they could have made moves and they could have tried to reshape this roster, potentially help their cap situation for uh, 2020 and beyond. But this is a win now league. And these are players that they think they can win now with. And they've never been active at the trade deadline, at least not in recent history. It's just not a team that constantly makes a lot of moves. I mean, Rick trades in April. We know that. I am still reeling from the third day of the draft this year where there were nine draft picks (laughs) because he just kept trading back. Yes, he did. Um, I'm not surprised, and I think that just given kind of what that would do to turn it, I mean, just with their cap situation right now, that handicapped them from being able to do anything, and it could potentially do the same in free agency, where I don't expect them to be very active at all.
3: So, uh, very few moves uh, today, a couple as we led up to the trade deadline, but not too many that impact the Vikings in any way, shape, or form. So, Alex, I-, I want you to rank the NFC teams for me. Give me your top five. Like, Where do the Vikings sit if you are going one through five in the NFC? Now that we know that the rosters are pretty much set.
5: I mean, if you think about it, number one is obviously going to sit San Francisco. and People can say what they want about them, but they're definitely the team to beat right now. They have the best defense out there in the NFC. They have an offense that's Predicated off the run game, right? But it's not just one guy doing it. It's like three guys doing it. It's Mostert. It's Tuffin Coleman. It's Breida. And then you got Juszczyk, who's going to be coming back soon. You don't even have your two starting tackles, and you just eviscerated the Panthers. And I know that they have a backup quarterback, but that guy was playing really hot for a long time. And that's hard to kind of punch a guy in the face when he's doing really well, but they – they didn't just punch that dude in the face, like they they made lunch meat out of that guy. And you look at the Saints, right? And everybody and you and I had talked about this. We were texting over the weekend. I was telling you about what my wife was saying was, Hey, listen, you think that maybe they should have left Teddy? And I was like, No. Drew needs to start. Drew's the Hall of Fame quarterback. He's the guy to be out there. He's the guy that's gonna walk right into Canton. You don't just say, Hey Drew, Teddy's got the heater right now, buddy, we're gonna wait. <laughs> Drew's like, no, dude, I don't think you get it. I'm going out there. Like, I'm a competitor. That shows you the competitor that he is. But that team, as well as they played with Teddy at the helm, and now they get Drew back, I mean, that's incredible. And then you look at, like, the Seahawks. You know, they're a tough team, but they're not playing well at home this year. So I don't know if they're up there. I think that when you talk about the Vikings, they fall somewhere like three or four right now. And, And just because there's some teams that are looking like they're like, man, they can't catch their footing. Like they look good one week, but then the next week they kind of get beat up like the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. You can't go into New York and let New York smack you around. I'm sorry. Right. Like that's you're the Cowboys, dude. You got. Oh, we lost Alex. Everything he was so hyped up. During I know
4: he's uh, so jacked
3: up that talking about the Cowboys, microphone being able to go died. in and um, establish
4: some dominance. I agree with him though, where he kind of has them. I'm was taking mental notes just on his rankings. Um, I would probably put Dallas around 4 or 5. I think that that's a fair spot because they look really good some weeks. Dak looks incredible some weeks and then when the pieces aren't all completely aligned, they the bottom falls out. Um, as it go as it stands, I mean, I think we're all kind of in agreement. It's 49ers, Saints, Packers right now in your top 3. If you're looking at this from like a power ranking standpoint, all 3 of those teams have remained at the top and have not needed to change what they're doing whatsoever. So, I mean, I put the Vikings around four. I think that that's, like, you could probably make it interchangeable between Vikings, Seahawks, and Cowboys for four or five if you're looking at the top five in the NFC. Um, but, you know, the way that things have gone for Seattle, I mean, they're great on the road. Can they do that at home? They have an MVP caliber player at quarterback. guy was probably going to run away with the award here in the next few weeks. Um, but I just don't know, like, you know, overall, like, can you look at Minnesota's body of work and say that it's better than what the Seahawks are doing, better than what Dallas are doing? I would be willing to say, just despite some of the teams that they've played, and I know people are going to say, yeah, they've played some really bad teams here. Um, I would put them up against you know anybody in the in the f- from four on.
3: Well, Alex, isn't this what makes it difficult? Is the schedules and trying to figure out how much that has impacted the standings right now?
5: No, but I think a lot of it to me. It- is impacting is where do the vikings play if you play the vikings in viking stadium dude you better get ready yeah because that team sits at like two or three then like that stadium has such an x factor that it blows people away i'm not kidding you you're in the middle of the game and you're like dude i'm blown away about the architecture in this room (laughs) like the capacity of people in this room and i don't feel like i'm cramped and my style is cramped. like you're like this is amazing and it takes away from the game and it's like you're like oh my god i'm back but when they're on the road, you go into some of these stadiums like New Orleans. Dude, that's another place. You get lost in that stadium because mm-hmm. they just bear down on you, and they're so loud, and they're vicious, and they never let up. Like There were those fans that they could be down 21 points in the fourth quarter. They're still going to give you everything they got. They're, they're a city that believes in their team, and that that makes a team really dangerous. I think it's a great point that
3: what how far the Vikings go in the playoffs might depend Not so much on them making the playoffs, because I think that they will. And Football Outsiders has them right now at a 75% chance to make it. I would agree with that, that their chances are very high, even though they have a difficult second-half schedule. But it might depend on whether the Packers or Saints or them end up with the home field. If the Vikings have a home playoff game, they're probably winning it. But if they have to go on the road and go all the way through the playoffs on the road... I just don't think that's happening. And uh, Alex, maybe you can answer this. We were talking about this earlier about the Vikings on the road. Is it just that US Bank Stadium can make them look really, really good because it's a tough place to play? And that's why sometimes they look different on the road. Or is there something with this team that would impact that?
5: No, I, you know, that's such a hard question because. You know, you go into an opposing stadium and sometimes, you know, the way games you had to play that year were the tough games, you know, the Saints, the Patriots. You're like, dude, it's just some really tough road games. But when you come into U.S. Bank Stadium, you can see that stadium affects other teams because they play differently in that stadium. I know that for a fact. Now, this team on the road, dude, we're halfway through the year. The teams that – some of these teams are going to make it in the playoffs, and I've seen this. Right now, people are like, they have no chance. But all of a sudden, they catch a hot streak, and some guys start to play well, and all of a sudden, they carry that over into December, and December carries over into January, and it's just – you know. When you're talking about the Vikings right now, yeah, I think they absolutely have a tough schedule, but they absolutely could make it in the playoffs. I think that they're a team to look for. I think they're a team that everyone's watching because they're like, man, this defense is stout. And that, to me, is going to win the Super Bowl. Everyone's looking around like, who's got the stoutest defense? Well, there's a lot of teams that are putting up some really nice numbers. And it's like the defense is looking at the offense like, can you keep up with us? Because if you can, we can go really far. Courtney,
3: do you agree with that? Do you think that this defense is good enough to take them deep in the playoffs?
4: Yes, but not 2017 form. Um I know that you and I were talking about this on Sunday that kind of comparing where they were in 2017 to where the Patriots are now. I mean, it's a historic run for New England. Yeah. I don't know that the Vikings defense when they were number 1. I mean, granted the numbers are completely different and that's the argument we're that's not the argument we're making here. They never felt like that lockdown can win you any game. I don't know. I felt like there were times where you look at this offense in 2017 when trying to get back to the NFC Championship level and thinking that was the weakest link at, at certain points in games and this defense was always going to bail, bail you out. Is this defense now going to always bail you out? No. I don't think that that's the case. Yeah, I mean, there have been, several, the there've been several instances this season where the offense has had to come through. And they have. And that's kind of been the narrative that this offense has had to shake the last few years. That, you know... They are going to falter when 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 the game is put on their shoulders. It's not going to go well. But I think that this year alone, we've seen several examples of it. Um, and I just you know now that they start out the second half of the like we will find out the strength of this team in these next two weeks mm-hmm. because you start the second half of your season on the road. You have to go to Kansas City. You have to go to Dallas in back to back weeks. You have Seattle, not that far from these two games. To me, this tells you what kind of team you have, like how far they will be able to go in the playoffs, because they are a playoff team. Like, it's, unless something goes incredibly wrong here in the second half, right. um, they are a playoff team. Because even when they were going into their bye week, what, week 10 last year, and they were above, like, two games above five hundred. It still didn't carry that vibe, and they still had a very, very hard schedule coming out of the bye. It feels different this year, probably because of what we've seen on offense, not necessarily what we've seen in defense. We expect the defense to be good here in Minnesota.
3: Um Right now, the Vikings are 12th in expected points added on defense. Number 1 and 2 are the Patriots and 49ers, naturally. And the Packers and Bears are 5th and 6th. Now, the Bears aren't a threat for the division, but they are a threat in Week 17. As we saw last year, they were able to slow down the Vikings, and they've had Kirk Cousins' number. And then the Packers, I don't think many of us would have thought, well, they'll have a better defense overall, statistically, than the Vikings— but they do right now. And, Alex, I, I wonder if they're playing good quarterbacks down the stretch, if these numbers kind of sustain where they are, if they're a mid-pack defense, even though they have so much talent. If the cornerbacks continue to not play super well, then I, I, I think it's hard to say that they're going to be so good that a defense can carry them through the playoffs.
5: No, I agree with you. And I think that's, we've said this before, that... You know, your run game's going to get you into the playoffs, and then from there, your quarterback gets you to the Super Bowl. And that's where your defense shows up and they win it for you. And, you know, when you talk about finishing this season, yeah, dude, I mean, you're looking at some quarterbacks that could, while their teams don't reflect it, they could still do some damage if they want to. I mean, a lot of these teams I feel like are up and down, but there are certain players on their teams that could always light up a scoreboard. I mean, you look at the Chargers, Phillip Rivers is one of those guys that can sling the ball better than anybody. If he's having an on day randomly because, you know what, we just went willy-nilly, it's like, man, this guy can light it up. And you're right, the defense comes into question. But I think that when you look at these quarterbacks, you know, especially like an Aaron Rodgers, the reason that his defense is looking really good right now is because he's putting up so many points so fast that a team has to try and play catch-up really quick. And when you can just pin your ears back and go, hey, go get that one dude right there and go have fun. Well, that just makes the D lineman's job so much easier, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I don't have to stop the run because who's going to run the ball against us, guys? We're up 28 points. Aaron Rodgers just threw another touchdown to the guy (laughs) carrying the soda pop. I mean, like, everybody's (laughs) getting to score right now. It's incredible. Like, who are we going to cover? Well, that's just the running back. Don't worry about him. Yeah, that guy's got 13 touchdowns this year. He's a threat now. He's just become an official threat because Aaron can still put the ball where he wants to. Well, the defense in turn goes, hey, we're going to pin our ears back, play a little cover two, and have some fun. Let's just go. I mean, that's what makes these defense get to have fun, score points. They look like they're just playing with reckless abandon. All right, let's take a break. we got neck rolls, and also
3: it's eight games in for the Vikings. I would love you guys to pick one random award that is not MVP or Offensive Player of the Year. Make up your own award for a Minnesota Viking player. When we come back, we'll do that. Uh, Here on Purple Daily, you're listening to Score North.
1: Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll use it to remind you of one thing on our podcast network. It's been 10 years since we all went on a ride with Brett Favre and we're doing a deep dive into every aspect of that 2009 Vikings season. You can join Sage Rosenfel's Phil Mackey, Judd Zalgad, and Ryan Longwell on Minnesota Sports Rewind, the 2009 Vikings edition on demand right now anywhere you find your favorite podcasts or just go to ScoreNorth.com and click on shows. That's Minnesota Sports Rewind. That's been your ScoreNorth download. Now back to the final segment of the day of Purple Daily.
3: Thank you, Jonathan. We'll have to connect with Lorenzo Neal another time. He, uh, you know what he got afraid of? is I was going to tell him that it was a forward pass by Frank Wycheck. <laughs> don't he, you do that. He was, don't you he was blocking on that play, and he knows it. No, I know he wasn't looking. He knows it. It was a forward pass. They cheated. The Buffalo Bills should have gone to the Super Bowl that year and not Tennessee, and not bro, Lorenzo Neal.
5: You're such a hater. Don't huh? you dare say that. I swear to God I'll have Jonathan cut you out of the show. <laughs> I swear to God. Courtney, it's you and me doing the show. You're out. Hey, I'm all you, for it. You uh, are
3: out. It's not my fault that they didn't have good instant replay then. If they did... Then just like today where we have great instant replay and they never did anything wrong.
5: yeah, Ten minutes to look at it. Still got it wrong.
3: <laughs> Unbelievable, right? Unbelievable. Amazing. Ten actual minutes. They were actually timing it. It took ten minutes and they still couldn't get it right the other How
5: night. How sad is it? I wanted to ask Lorenzo, like, dude, you probably played back before replay. Would you rather go back to that? Like, you're probably the only person that could remember playing back then. <laughs> Like, would you really? Because if you think about it, this is not only just wasting so much time, but everyone's just fighting even more. They're like, no, dude, that wasn't a catch. Someone across the bar is like, what'd you say? That was a catch? Really? You agree with that idiot? (laughs) You're like, dude, I can't even eat in peace.
3: It's It's terrible. It's making it worse. All right, so I wanted you guys to make up a Vikings first half award. Just make up your own award and then give it to someone. So, Alex, why don't you start? Just I, make up your I, own award. I don't
5: even have an award. Like, what, what, I need you to start. Like, okay, what kind all of right. Award uh, are you I'll think-
3: start. I'll start. I am going to give the Motivational Award for the first half of the season to us, the media. Because, <laughs> because Adam Thielen said that it was a media creation and... Uh, Kirk Cousins came on the stage at NFL Network the other night and said, oh, that topology was blown out of proportion by the media, as uh, (laughs) I guess things are at times. And the likes of Stephen A. Smith and Ryan Clark and everybody on Get Up, they hammered Kirk Cousins in the offense after week four. They said, he's overpaid. The Vikings should start looking at draft picks and everything else. And boy, the Vikings just gathered together in the locker room and they said, guys, let's go get these horrible defenses. And they went out and they had four great Weeks so good job, us. We get the motivational award.
4: Did you see what Thielen's costume was at the Vikings that Halloween should have been Turbo party? Snark, by the way. Last what was week? it? No, or last it? night, um, it was Ron Burgundy.
5: Was it really? Yeah, I thought it was no, kind of no. clever.
4: I'm wondering if it was kind of a tongue in cheek thing. I think his wife was Vanessa. What's her name?
5: Oh Veronica. oh, Veronica. Veronica Corningstone. I should Veronica know Veronica
4: Corningstone. Um, I a very clever costume. I wonder if it was a tongue-in-cheek thing to all of the me- fake news media uh, stir up. Sure. Uh, it might not have been.
5: No, but... there's no way. Yeah, that, we... that would be a really deep sediment. Like, hey, guys, we're going to dress up as media members. <laughs> yeah. We're going to try to get at the media. Like, uh, I, I saw also the Pat Elf
3: line was uh, Super Mar- Mario. Mario, which I think was a perfect look for him. <laughs> um, although if he had just put a hat on, he could have gone as a construction worker because he like has the ex- <laughs> Exact construction worker look. Everyone who's ever done any work on my house or anyone else's house looks like Pat Elfline. Uh, all right. Wow, so, dude. <laughs> is that is that wrong?
4: Am I wrong?
5: No, that offered. is so funny that you said that though. <laughs> that is hilarious looks, because as soon as a you fucking said fucking it, face. I well, him and Brett
4: it. Jones.
3: Yeah, Brett Jones too. Brett Jones for sure. Yeah, Brett Jones needs to d- uh, drive something with diesel. Like he just looks like that. Diesel. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Um, make up, make up an award, Courtney.
4: Um, I'll just go with the buck that trend the award. And I'm going to give it to Ola B.C. Johnson because oh. since 2015, Congrats. no player outside of Stefan Diggs has actually done anything worth a damn in the receiver group their rookie season. And he has, and he dating back to like training camp. Once receivers actually found out how they were supposed to line up, what route depth they were supposed to run after Mike Zimmer just railroaded them with uh, some criticism, he stood out. He made the roster over Laquan Treadwell, over Brandon Zellstra, over, uh, George, is it Jordan Taylor, the dude that Gary brought in? Oh, yeah,
3: Jordan Taylor, yeah. <laughs> Jordan Taylor. long era. time ago. I forget um, about literally every player in camp right after the season starts. Oh, right?
4: I actually immortalize them. I'm still thinking about Trey Matthews and what he could have been here uh, from 2018, but I digress. I give uh, Ola BC Johnson the, what, what was the name of my award?
3: I don't know. Buck the Trend. Buck the Trend, yeah, yeah that's right. I Buck give. the Trend. All right, Alex, be creative here. Offensive linemen are creative, aren't they?
5: Yeah, not really. Not on the <laughs> spot like this. I mean, I could give, like, what? I'm trying to think, like, what kind of a trip? I don't know, guys. The award show. How
3: about the um, You're Not a Bust award for Garrett Bradbury? <laughs> Like after four, it's too early to have, tell, though. But after four weeks, though, not great. And then the last four weeks, he's
5: sort of uh, got himself better. together. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess you're right. That's yeah. fair. We um, were too hard on you, award. H- how about the humbling award? Can I give it to Laquan Treadwell to c- have to come back? Oh, yeah. Like after yeah. getting cut and being like, hey, Laquan, listen, first round pick didn't happen. And then all of a sudden, like a week after you get cut, they're like, listen, we were just kidding. Come on back. You but not what, at that price.
3: You know what's great about Laquan Treadwell's personality is he's perfect for this. Like, he's just perfect <laughs> to be like, I'm back, guys. Here we go. You're like no, you're no, you're not. You're just we're gonna, not back. You're not we're back, back at back. all. You're he's not. He's like no, I'm I'm like back. Like throw it to me, hundred catch receiver. And like no, you 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 never were like you were never what? <laughs> no, I'm with uh, you. Okay, that's that's good. All right, anybody got any neck rolls to hand out? I do. All right, go ahead, Courtney.
4: I'm getting music for this.
0: Um, oh yeah, yeah.
3: We should play the intro. I'm sorry. I didn't alert Jonathan. That's the clueless host award for me.
0: <laughs> Once upon a time, the NFL was tough and the fullbacks wore neck
1: rolls.
5: Each week, we learn that the league hasn't gone soft. And for the player who demonstrated the most grit, we award the neck roll of the week.
4: Okay. Okay. So my neck roll is probably one that most of you were thinking about when Deshaun Watson got kicked in the eye yeah. Oh, yeah. and completed the unbelievable throw, MVP-level throw, to the tight end for the touchdown, the go-ahead score for the Houston Texans. And I think the part of this that I love the most is that during his press conference, like I watched it back several times, like his eye is slowly oh, getting closed. more and yeah. more swollen. I'm like, you guys might want to hurry this up before he legally goes blind in that eye. Um, During the press conference, I mean, it was so impressive And, and just that level of grit to be able to complete the throw like that and just raises his platform, elevates him in the MVP race. And, you know, hats off to Deshaun Watson because I would have cowered in pain if that happened to me.
5: What do you got, Alex? You that gotta... was, for, by the way, that was definitely BA. That he uh, kicked in the eye, made the throw. One eye, like he tried to cover his eye up too. It was like, oh my god, I'm wearing a helmet. Like right. I don't need to do <laughs> this. Okay, yeah, but he still got that. Like, dude, that is seriously awesome. I respect a quarterback that can do that. I'm gonna give. I have two of them, and this for. I knew I was going to have to give these guys both one. I'm going to give one to Christian McCaffrey because I'm absolutely in love with this guy, and he's like the only the second player this year to run a touchdown on the 49ers defense, but he's just so electrifying to watch. And the way he runs into people and the way he's out there for his teammates and he's selfless and he's... Two guys are hanging on him. He's jumping over the pile trying to get the two-point conversion. He's like, dude, I don't care. I'll do whatever this team needs me to do. I play every snap for this team. I love this team. Dude, I love you. You're awesome. MVP for sure. But also I want to give it to Telvin Coleman because I think that when you talk about another guy who's lifting up a team, it's a lot of what he's doing on this offense that's carrying this team as far as they're going. He had four touchdowns this last weekend. That's incredible for a running back. And to watch him run people over is so fun. So these guys, both of them deserve neck rolls.
3: All right, so you went to the game that I was going to go to. So I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn a little bit here. Um, I was going to go with Nick Bosa in that game because he Ooh. just dominated and mauled Carolina, gave them no chance to win because he took over that game. But I'm going to go with a guy named Brett Kern. Do you guys know who Brett Kern is? I do not. Brett Kern is the punter for the Tennessee Titans and. For some reason, I have no idea why, the Titans thought it would be a good idea to fake a field goal at the end of their game against the Tampa Bay Bucks and have Brett Kern run for it. So instead of taking a seven-point lead and being like, all right, we've got a great chance to win this, we'll kick it off, Jameis will throw a pick. Instead, they decide, no, we're having Brett Kern run the ball. Brett Kern takes the ball, he runs out, he's got plenty of room, but then remembers that he's a punter and is like, ah, what do I do? He attempts to run through a guy gets oh murdered <laughs> fumbles the ball but they was ruled down and walked off the field by himself and looked like he had been hit by a bus but when a regular person gets hit by an NFL player and just takes it and survives and does the job they deserve a neck roll because a lot of these punters they look like me and I don't, like that's exactly how I would look and feel if I got hit by an NFL linebacker so for taking that hit And surviving and getting up and walking off the field, I give my neck roll to Brett Kern. And I would love to know the explanation. In a weekend, I think that set a record for horrendous coach decisions, that one went underrated of let's have the punter try to run for a first down as opposed to just kicking a field goal and making it a seven-point lead.
5: Amazing. Yeah, that's... Anytime those special teams. I mean, unless you're the Rams, do you ever watch the Rams' special teams? Oh yeah, They're like, well their punter's like a
3: quarterback.
5: Johnny Hecker is the man, and believe me, we played that team twice a year, so we saw everything. And we one time we actually pulled off the best fake field goal. You know, the one where the guy like runs to the sideline, but then like stands on the sideline. We had one with Crabtree in their own stadium, on their own side. Like it was awesome. It was, oh. and we like forever. I was like, oh my god, we pulled this off. Against St. Louis. They would never, because they were the best special teams, and they still are. God, they're so fun to watch.
3: All right. One last question before we wrap the show, and it can be a one word answer if you want. Patrick Mahomes playing this week, Courtney?
4: Nope.
3: Patrick Mahomes playing this week, Alex?
5: I hope not.
3: I don't think so either. I think they're going to stick with Matt Moore. I I think that Mahomes is trying to be like, dude, knee's fine, and yet the you know the it's a still on the other side of his leg, his kneecap, <laughs> like, he's totally I'm good. I'm good. I'm good Dislocated
4: kneecap, like let's like, that's severe.
3: That should take like, like four to six weeks at least for him to come back. So if he comes back this week, it would be shocking. But if you're them, you're going to pull the I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. Like Zimmer with uh, week yeah. week two twenty sixteen like what Sam Bradford who. Shmam Shmadford? I don't know who you're... Sean Hill is probably our starter, I think.
5: Shmam Shmadford. Shmam (laughs) Shmadford. That's a good
3: good place to end it. Uh, Alex, we'll talk to you on Thursday, man.
5: Always a pleasure, guys. Thank Thank you for
3: your time. Courtney, uh, next Tuesday, as always. And uh, you know we'll see you out there. TCO Performance Center this week. All right. Hand it off now to Mackie and Judd with Rami. We'll catch you later here on Purple Daily.